So welcome back to A Voice in the Distance Ministries. It's Pastor Rick here joining you once again. And I pray that God has been good to you as he is always good. But, you know, we go through these through these questioning times right now around the world. And, you know, we live in such a time, as we like to say, such a time as this. And we are in a time such as this because we're seeing wars, we're seeing famines, we're seeing so many things happening that the Bible speaks of. But I want to encourage us to stay in the Word of God, to stay in prayer, to stay in faith. And and I want to basically, and I'm glad I'm in the chapter I'm in today because we're in Joshua chapter 3. And in Joshua chapter 3, I'm titling this A River of Faith. We are all sometimes caught up in things, standing at a, at a river at times that we think that, that we cannot cross, don't want to cross. You know, and, and as we ventured through the book of Exodus, you, you probably are aware of the story of when God had the people go through, of all places, the Red Sea. And the way that God, the way that God miraculously caused that to happen, <laughs> you know, that should automatically be an open door for, for faith right there. You know, but even the people of Israel in their travels are going to see that even though this is a smaller uh, form of water that they're going to deal with, that, that faith is needed nonetheless. We all need it. And again, I hope that we could look at this and look at it, even though it was thousands of years ago, to look at it into today and to say that we are still going through the same thing. We need faith because we have to cross rivers at times that we don't want to cross. We don't. There's valleys that we have to go through that we don't want to go through. And so we are in Joshua chapter 3. And when we look at verses 1 and 2... The people on the go are getting close to the promised land. And so we see that it says here in verses 1 and 2 that it says, Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan. He and all the children of Israel and lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp. Now in faith, once again, God had commanded them to go to journey into this promised land, but they had to scope out what was there and who was there. And so, but during that time, they're going to come to the Jordan. Now, this is the first time we're really going to see the mention of the Jordan River. The Jordan River actually will have such a very significant uh, uh, part of the Bible. You know, the the Jordan River, to this day, throughout the Old and the New Testament, people go there uh, to this day, where our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus, baptized people with John the Baptist, where where our Lord and Savior was actually baptized himself in that river. We're going to see other areas uh, throughout the Bible where it speaks of this particular river. And this particular river, the Jordan River, actually spreads for about 220-some miles. And it goes through other countries. It actually ends right into the Dead Sea, uh, which is actually located in Jordan itself. And the, the, the Jordan River located just it ends there in the Dead Sea, and there's no other there's no other outlet for it, which has collected that water to be nothing more than just a very salt infested place where nothing lives. But it goes through other places, and so you know God told the people to to wait three days. 
And and so they had to wait for three days in faith. And so we too, at times, being impatient people, we don't always work that way. You know, and, and so after after three days, of, you know, moments like this can cause people to want to want to question things. You know, I, a lot of times we're going to want to question God. How's God going to do this? And even though He's already gotten people through, already although He's already gotten you through so many things, the the question of God and how God's going to do it is always there. But when I look at this stuff, and I hope you, I hope you can relate. When I look at this stuff, I, I hope that we can look at this and, and question that ourselves of, of like, why are we asking such a thing, and how could we ask such a thing? You know, so God did amazing things before that. You know, they had a new group of people at this time. Now, during the book of Deuteronomy, during the time at the end of this time when Joshua took over, you know, you had a whole new set of people there. So they had to be reminded. They had to be reminded of who God was. A lot of them probably weren't even around during the time when they had to cross uh, through uh, over the Red Sea, because we're talking 40 years now, 40 years later. And, and so we are going to look at this. And hopefully see a little bit of, of, of this ancient time in our lives uh, on us, how we're going to question things. Or are we going to question things? Are we going to be in panic mode? Or are we just going to be able to close our eyes and look up and say, I know you've got this. Now in verse 3 to 5. We're going to see the Ark of the Covenant, which leads the way. And they commanded the people, saying, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priest, the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits uh, by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders amongst you. You see the faith of Joshua here, you know. And, you know, he didn't send the, the, uh, the engineers first. He didn't send the, the military first. The first people that went actually were the ones of the faith, were that of the priests. And so before they were entering the promised land, they were to uh, perform this consecration at a ceremony. And it was often done before making a sacrifice. You know, at times it was also done before uh, witnessing a great act of God. Because God's law states that a person can become unclean for many reasons. And that could be through eating certain foods. It could be uh, they become unclean through childbirth, if you will, from women, from diseases. Um, you, you weren't allowed to touch something that was dead, a person or a thing. So what God did was is he used these various outward signs, okay, to, of, of uncleanliness to illustrate, right, man's inward uncleanliness as well. What is that? Simple. It's a result of sin. So the consecration, right, the consecration pictured the importance of approaching God with a pure heart. You know, too often... It's amazing what people do. 
we we have no concept at times of how we approach God. We have no qualms with approaching God with blood on our hands. We can we can kill, murder, do some crazy things, and yet we still approach God in prayer. Consecrating ourselves, and like what Joshua was saying in, in, in this importance, was to make sure that they were right before God. And that is very, that is very important for us to remember. Now people will say, oh, that's an Old Testament thing. No, it's still, a, it's still a very important thing. Paul said it to us in Corinthians, you know, before we take communion, to make sure that, to make sure that your heart is right before taking communion because you're partaking in the blood of Christ and the body of Christ from a spiritual aspect, not a physical one, but a spiritual one. And he says, but, and when people do this out of place with iniquity in their hearts, they become sick later. And, and so that, that is again something not to be played with. You cannot be, you cannot be living in the muck and mire and then partaking in something so clean and pure and think that we can actually, uh, uh, be able to withstand it. We need to be consecrated. We need to be washed up before, the, before we do anything with God. And, and, you know, the, spiritually, right? People are constantly trying to be filled with the Spirit. Right? We're trying to be filled with the Spirit, but we don't want to be emptied of the sin. And, and so that is a very important thing here that we just read. That, you know, that God told Joshua to tell the people something very important. In verse 6, he said, you know, Joshua's step of faith here is what we see. Joshua spoke to the priest saying, take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. Now, we also want to make sure that we know that it was God that told Joshua to do this. <laughs> so, um, this was very important as well to see that Joshua wasn't going on his own accord. See, like them, we're going to be following people in our lives. You might follow somebody in the leadership of the military. You might be following somebody in the leadership of your corporation and your job. You might be following somebody in the leadership of your family, which men are to be the priests of their households. But what Joshua did in this case was we had the priests at the time that were there to lead the people through. So they were to take the Ark of the Covenant, right? The Ark of the, the Covenant was the box with all of the things that were filled into it, the, 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 the Holy Scriptures and, and, and um, other artifacts that were in there that were not to be touched by anybody. They were, they were to be carried on a stick with gold rings by the priests. If you want to learn more about that, go back to the uh, to the book of Exodus, and you can hear that being taught. But again, that was where the importance came in. You go first. The light leaders, the leaders carrying the torch of, of God. And so, you know, they, they had this guidance that they were called to do. Right? They, they, Joshua was the one that was spoken to, of all things. But the priest even had to the priest even had to rely on that from the from the speaking of God to Joshua, and the priest had to walk out in faith, and they were they were the ones leading the way. See, you got to remember when you're not hearing things from God and you're going on your own accord. And if something goes wrong, it wasn't from God. I'm always amazed at how people will say, "Well, I guess God wasn't in it" when they thought they heard from God before. 
And, and we need to learn to really make sure that we hear the voice of God and that we really pray intently. A lot of people want to preach big on faith by stepping off of a cliff and when they weren't called to because they think that, you know, that, hey, I'm, I'm going to make it. God didn't call you to do that. God didn't call you to drink strychnine poison thinking that, that you know, I've got this or he's got this. He didn't call us to do he didn't call us to do foolish things. God called us to do things on his accord and then God and then God got them through. So we we need to make sure that when we look at these aspects of the things that God is calling us to do through and when we look at the word of God and and we see how he has done through other people. None of the things that were done were 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 done out of crazy foolishness of men. As again, the things I mentioned before, the drinking of poison, the, the stepping off of the cliffs and diving off of a cliff, I've heard many stories. And they always, they always want to utilize God as, as, their, as the puppet master, if you will, that caused them to do these things. God does not require foolishness. God requires faith. And there is a big difference. You know, God, God will guide you. And God will provide. See, where God guides, God provides. And, and so we want to make sure that we are leaders, and we want to make sure that we're with leaders who are listening to God and not their own accord. In 9 to 13, So Joshua said to the children of Israel, Come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, By this you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Perizzites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. Now therefore take for yourselves twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one man from every tribe, and it shall come to pass. As soon as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, the waters that came down from upstream, and they shall be stand as a heap. You know, a lot of this part of the river might have some uh, some Category 2 uh, rapids, three Category 3 rapids maybe in some areas that can sweep somebody away quite easily. Some areas are very calm. God's going to come down and calm it down. But we could see an eagerness from the people. They were ready to go. They, a lot of people like, like we do, like them, said, well, they, they live a fast-paced life. They, they want to rush through this now. But again, see, God wasn't advising that on, on foolishness. God was uh, advising it on his perfect timing. You know, that people want to rush just to keep up. <laughs> but it's easy to get caught up in our, in our tasks. We, we become a little too busy for the things that are important. And, and before making, we want to make sure that before we make our schedules at times, and I'm guilty of it, you know, that to take the time to focus on what God wants from all of us in our activities. Because, you know, these are foolish mistakes that can be made. And so, as I said before, we know that it's never a foolish mistake when we see that God was in it because it came through. And, and so, the ark will lead the way. Right? The ark will lead the way. So he tells them as they're going through, you're going to take these 12 men from these different tribes, and, and, and they're going to be driving out these particular uh, people, these inhabitants of, of the ancient Canaanite region, what we know as Israel. 
the Hittites, the Hivites, the Amorites. Why would God cause all these people to, why would he want them to be driven out? Because they are just, they have become the most vile, the most rancid people that have destroyed that nation. Right? They, 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 they destroyed the nation. They were doing the most detestable things that you could ever think. <laughs> and, and so, that is why God said he's had enough. They couldn't inhabit together. You know, God told them before that, you know, you, you are to be set apart. You cannot dwell amongst evil people. And that's what happens. In fact, it did happen. It was evil people that drew godly people away from God. God gives the free will. But when you invite sin into your life like that, well, now you've opened a door to a floodgate of oil and water. So the only way to prevent Israel from, from this being you know, infected or defected, however you want to call it, was to basically to purge everything and everyone that was of that was of a remembrance of their pagan evilness. King Solomon, the wisest king that ever lived, one of the most wisest, godliest men ever, was was corrupted by one woman, one wife out of his you know thousand women in his household, seven hundred wives, three hundred concubines. All it took was one to drive him away from God. And so, these people were so wicked and vile that God used Israel as the weapon. He used the people of Israel as the weapon to clean up the place. He used them as the solution, the cleaning solution. And so, the nation of God was to be a holy nation. In fact, as we know it, as Canaan, it, it, it would be called Israel. And if you've never heard it before, Israel means governed by God. And so it was to be a holy nation, to remain a holy nation. And so God did not want such evil amongst them. Because of their religious practices that would be there, that would just cause people to, to do the, the most horrible things. I mean, we're talking things here that, that even evil people today would look at and say, wow, that's pretty bad. That's how bad they were. And, and a lot of people don't understand that. But check it out in verse 14 to 15. So it was when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan with the priest, uh, bearing the ark of the covenant before the people. And as those who bore the ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priest who bore the ark dipped in the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of the harvest. So this would be around the springtime when the water is really flowing around that area of the, of, the, um, of the Jordan. So why now? Well, we can see what God's doing here deep down. God's showing them who he is. Why you would think, we, any of us would think because we're, you know, we're so smart, right? You know, we have, so we have uh, common sense beyond uh, that of, of, of um, anybody and sometimes even above God in some people's minds and eyes. Why would we come over here? Why would he send us here during this time? Why would we, you know, come here during a storm? Because God wants to demonstrate who he is, what he is, and what he can do. And so, that's why they were there during that time. The timing was perfect. Right? The, the timing was perfect. God did a direct miracle, and, and that's what he did. He showed his great power by working a miracle of timing and location. 
And so this testimony of God's supernatural power serves as, as the instrument that, that built the reputation of Israel and of God. Right? And, and, and it showed who he was to their enemies. It showed who he was to the, to, to the enemies. You know, if you were of God, you might have enemies too because people aren't going to like you. But when you stand straight and you walk straight with God, then he, then he will keep you upright. And he will do the same for you as he's doing for them. And, and so think of yourself in this situation. You might even say, well, I want to be in this situation, you know. <laughs> we, we, we're going to have the opportunity. God knows who you are. He knows what you're going through. And, and so we want to rely on him. We want to make sure that, that, that we, when we come to that river, we know that we'll be able to cross it. Because God told us to go ahead and do it. He gave us the green light. But you don't want to do it on your accord, as I mentioned before. Many times, you know, the, the enemies were greatly outnumbering the people of Israel. And in this case, God, God sent Joshua and a bunch of spies to overlook the land because they're inhabited by giants. You know, very, very large people were living in this land here. And we don't normally mess with big people. And so they even were thinking to themselves, how are we going to do this? How are we going to defeat these giants? Now, we don't know how long these priests stood in the water. But the bottom line is, from the, according to the text here, it really doesn't matter because from the sounds of it, it was a dangerous situation. Anybody in their right mind would, would, would probably think to themselves, well, yeah, I'll cross this as long as it's dry. God said, no, cross it right now. Let's do this right now. And so when God says to go, we make sure we go. You know, we don't want to think that we can walk on water without Christ. <laughs> you know, we don't. Uh, a lot of us, a lot of people think they can walk on water at times. And, and so, but you know what? We can when Christ is holding our hands. You know, God is right there. On the other side saying, I'm, I've got you. Come on through. And so, you might have to cross something. A situation in life. You might have some decisions that you have to make. So, if I may ask a question, what are you going to do about it? Well, let me, let me suggest first praying. And I want to make sure that I, I make it very clear, because a lot of people don't like to, to pray for us because they think that they're being more faithful that way. Well, God can work that way. God can speak to you and, and, and tell you to do something right there on the spot. But really, the way to go is to pray first. Seek God's wisdom. Seek God's, God's commands through prayer. Because too often I've seen, I've seen many people make that mistake to where, to where it's just like, oh, where's your faith? And then, you know, I saw everything crumble. It wasn't in God's will. And, and I'll teach you a little bit about something with God's will at the end of this message in regards to that of water. God used water in many of occasions 
through a flood, through, through the Red Sea, through the Jordan, through the Dead Sea. Through many, through many other occasions, God used water to demonstrate that of faith. He used that water to, to demonstrate that of, of uh, punishment at times. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a very interesting substance. A substance that, that brings life, a substance that can end life, a substance that washes, a, subst- a substance that can destroy. But so we want to make sure we take, we want to make sure that we take, uh, everything that God shows us very seriously. Because now the Jordan will be stopped, as we see in verse 16 to 17, which will end the chapter, that the waters which came down from upstream stood still, and rose in a heap very far away at Adam. The city is beside Zaratan. So the waters that went down into the sea of the, of the Arabah, the salt sea, failed, and were cut off. And the people crossed over opposite, okay, Jericho. Then the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all Israel crossed over on the dry ground until the people had crossed completely over the Jordan, causing this to be a short chapter. Now, we have to remember, this isn't a small group of people that's crossing over all this. We're talking a couple million or so. A couple of million people. That, that were being led through here. So what God did was he, he stopped the water. He built a dam from afar and stopped the water. That's why he brought them there. That's why he said this step of faith was not to make them scratch their heads, was not to make them question God, but to show them who he was and what he does. Right? Who he, who he is and what he does. He works in miraculous manners all the time. He teaches us lessons. He did this 40 years ago, you know, or 40 years before this, uh, this event happened, right? And so, you know, we, we see the, the importance of the ark because it's mentioned like 15 times or so in, the, in, in this particular chapter. And so, there is a fulfillment. There is a fulfillment that we need to see. You know, we, we need to see... First and foremost, where the Lord's at, and make our way to Him. You know, I was reading this thing about um, a very well-known evangelist by the name of D.L. Moody. And he was um, invited to go to New York City. And when he was uh, in New York City at a speaking event, you know, he, he felt the need to pray to God, saying that he didn't want to leave his hotel room until until he felt empowered enough to do so, and it was like three or four days. Then after after through that extensive prayer of three or four days of such, he was empowered so much after that that he that he just overwhelmed everybody. And and so that is the power of God. You don't want to miss out on anything. We don't know what God ordains for us sometimes. I, I would love to. Uh, I would love to tell more stories, you know. But I don't want to make any of this about myself. But, but I, I do relate about. I do relate to a good handful of things, and, and I pray you do too, because that's the power of God's word. It's not just for the sake of a good read, but it's but it's something that comes to life here. It's how it works out in you, how it works out in me. How does God restore, bring things back to life? How does He uh, destroy something that is, you know? 
that needs to be destroyed and why, the answers are in his word. And it's all good. It's all right in there. In there. Everything is right in what God does, even though people don't always look at it that way. God's hand is upon all things. You know, what do you want to be ordained for? What do you want to be called for? You know, what I was going to say about that, that, about the water that I was telling you about earlier and the rivers and stuff, that, see, God's will is like rushing water. You know, it goes through mountains, it goes through streams, waterfalls, and rain, and floods, and oceans, and waves. See, that rushing water, you know, no one can stop it, but it always ends up where it's supposed to be. And that's where God's will comes into play. You you may be caught up in something. You might be caught up in a river right now that you think you can't get through. Well, have you called out to the right source? Has God got has God stopped that river that you that that you think is going to sweep you away? I, I think it's time to to recognize who He is, and as always, I give the opportunity to receive His only begotten Son, our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus, who died on the cross for the sins of all mankind. Because we're all in a river. Sometimes that river might be calm, and sometimes it might have a little current, and sometimes it might be rushing and, and causing you to be swept away. But as you see, God stopped it. Because he wanted to show them exactly what he does. So I want to give you an opportunity to get to know him. Give you an opportunity one day that, that you might say to yourself that I was in a river too one time and God actually stopped it as well. You can be ordained for something great, but you have to be ordained through God by receiving him. So I, I want to give you the opportunity. I want to give you the opportunity to call upon him and, and to invite Christ Jesus into your heart. So that way you would be saved. That you would have a place in heaven. You may not have to be going through a river. Things might be going great right now. Wonderful. But you still need to receive him because tomorrow's never guaranteed. You might be going through some hard times right now. Maybe God's getting your attention. The opportunity stands the same. Let's, let's take advantage of that. Let's stand in the river together. Let's dance in the river together. In the calm river, the one he's going to get us through. In that crystal river that, that speaks of in, heaven, in, in Revelation there up in heaven. Let's go ahead and make a commitment. To have our souls set in place in Christ's glory in heaven. If, if you feel led, I want to give you the opportunity to pray with me out loud. To mean it in your heart. To receive him as Lord and Savior. And you do that just by repeating after me and by meaning it. Dear God, please forgive me. Forgive me of all of my sins. As I confess to you that I am a sinner. Wash me clean of all of my sins. 
is I receive you into my heart as my Lord and my Savior. I thank you for dying on the cross. I thank you for for cleansing me of my sins. And I receive you now, Lord, as my Father, as my Lord, and my Savior. I am your child now, and you are my Father. I love you, Lord. I praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, I pray, as always, that that every message be heard and that, that every message be received, you know, in that of receiving our Lord and Savior. That That's really what it comes down to. The most important things, right? What are the most important things? See, we forget that we have a last day on earth. And that we have an eternity somewhere. One of two places. And so, there's one place you definitely want to go, and that's the one you prayed about right now. So I congratulate you if you did. I I pray that one day we will meet up somehow, maybe here on earth. If not, we'll be in God's glory together. And that you too can carry the torch for your friends and family and those around you. May God bless you and keep you. And may you do a mighty work in Him. God bless you.